Support for the Tome Show comes from Noble Knight. From Noble Knight. Noble Knight? Knight. Knight? Thousands of tabletop gamers use a Noble Knight to sell new and out-of-print games and products at a discounted price. Noble Knight will also buy back the game products you aren't using anymore. NobleKnight.com, the brick-and-mortar online store where out-of-print is available again. Tell them the Tome Show sent you. I use Noble Knight. You do? I love it. It's trying to sound creepy, though. Hello there, and welcome back to D&D V&G, the only monthly-ish video game podcast about officially licensed Dungeons & Dragons video games. I'm Rudy Basso, your host. And joining me, as always, are... Alex. Gregory. And Vegas. And Vegas. Hey, guys. We did our thing out of order, we, Vegas. Yep. You're supposed to go first. It doesn't matter. Oh, because of V and G? No. V and V. No. Anyway, uh, this month we're... Grudgingly <laughs> hit it. Hit it. This month we're discussing... Birthright, the Gorgon's Alliance. Gorgon? Gorgons? I've been really hitting that second syllable. I don't know if that's right. You know, it's funny too. I've noticed that. And we all played this game and there's voice acting and I can't remember how they say it either. Yeah. Oh well. It doesn't matter. It's a silly word. Craig, why don't you tell me a little bit more about Birthright, the Gorgon's Alliance? Alright, so Birthright, the Gorgon's Alliance... Is a 1997 strategy kingdom sim adventure first person role playing jumpy platformer RPG computer game developed by Synergistic Software and distributed by Sierra Online, Titans of the Past. Yeah. Uh, got mixed reviews when it came out and has since faded away into obscurity, mostly because it's from Birthright and nobody really cared about Birthright that much and they haven't really supported it since then. What what is Birthright Vegas? I certainly never heard of it before this game. Uh Birthright, if you remember hanging out in comic book shops in the 90s, you probably saw Birthright player handbooks lining the shelves. Uh it was another campaign setting for D&D, but it focused on being like an emperor or a a regent of a province, um, more so than being a, a traveling adventurer. Uh, I never played it, and I don't know anyone who has. Yeah, it seemed way, way different than any other typical Dungeons & Dragons game. New mechanics, new emphasis on ruling, just way different. Sounds neat, but I guess it was an experiment that didn't play out uh, commercially, because... You, I haven't heard anyone from the current team mention Birthright as like a setting they remember um, with like joy. We'd have had to have played it. Yeah, to remember it well, with with any kind of feeling. Yeah, I don't. I don't know anyone. I'm sure. I bet James. I bet James knows. Someone maybe. Who maybe. It, Alex, can you give us more specifics about this video game in particular? Sure. So the game is set in a newer. What should I think? Yeah, it sounds right. Uh, it's the southwestern part of Birthright. Uh, the game is very interesting in that it, it doesn't really seem to... It wants to do everything. It's it's kind of a combination of three genres. Uh, a grand strategy, a, a tactical strategy game, and very surprisingly, a first-person shooter. <laughs> um, 
sort of. And it, yeah. Sh- it, I wouldn't put shooter on that. Sure. First person. RPG adventure, is. Yeah. Adventuring RPG shooter. There is some aiming uh, <laughs> when you do cast spells. Yeah. Uh, you in it. You're. Uh, you choose to manage a province or a region, which is made up of a lot of provinces, and uh, you. There's a bunch of ways to gather victory points, and depending on what type of game you you play, you have a set uh, victory point goal, and you need to hit that to win. Yeah. So. Uh, it this game may have been made by Sierra, but I want to thank Sierra Nevada Summerfest Crisp Lager for helping me play several hours of this game. Oh. <laughs> yeah, I'd never heard of synergistic software before. I guess they were from like the late 90s, they sound, 97. They sound familiar. They do? I don't know. Years. Yeah, this game's pretty old. 1997. Yeah. Hey there! Are you guys talking about an old game? Cause it's me, the Time Sorcerer. How are Whoa. you? What? Uh, <laughs> time Sorcerer. Wait, what? Where's the Time Wizard? Oh man, the Time Wizard. He's so old. I have the power to control time, so I made myself younger. I'm 12 years old. That's when I peaked. Hello, Time Sorcerer. Why have you Hi, graced? How are you? Our... I'm so much faster than the Time Wizard. That's why I'm here before him. He's sick. Out of commission, cause he's old. Wizards are old. Sorcerers are new and hip. The choice of a new generation. How many belt buckles? Uh, and my generation as well. Yeah, how many belt buckles are you wearing right now, kid? Ah, <laughs> you got me. I'm Hennet from Player's Handbook Three, the Time Sorcerer. <laughs> wow, that is a specific. Call out. (laughs) Time Wizard doesn't have as much intricate knowledge of D&D jokes. Well, golly gee, it's good that I'm here for you guys, because it sounds like you're talking about a 1997 spectacular game. Almost as big a smash hit as Titanic, which was also released in 1997. Do you guys remember that? That's, wow. Getting trivia, too. I don't know. Time Sorcerer is doing pretty good right now. Uh Yeah. Yeah, it was just ahead of Men in Black, another classic you might remember. But it seems like you're having trouble remembering what video games were like in 1997. So I'm going to bring you back there. And I'm going to do it with pizzazz. Oh, okay. I like this. Yeah. I like it a little more. Yeah. I'm wizards. Wow. It's that charisma-based spellcasting. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's true. I'm pretty likable. All right. So on the count of three, we're not going to wooble and wobble. We're just going to say one magic word, and then suddenly we'll be there and have way more spell slots than the Time Wizard would. On the count of three, yell Alakazam. One, two, three. Alakazam. All right, here we are, 1997. When the top music hit was, of course, Candle in the Wind, 1997. Of course. Oh, I guess that's, that's pretty sad when you really think about why, why that song yeah. was written. Yeah, and 1997 is also the year great hits like Mbop, Wannabe, and I Believe I Can Fly came out. All right, I'm going to let you guys talk about your game. Have a good time. I'll be back later with sweet, sweet, sweet skateboard shoes. <laughs> What's Candle in the Wind? Is that about... Princess Di. That's what I thought. Okay. Yeah. 
Oh, I thought it was about the Clinton impeachment trial. (laughs) (laughs) No, that's a different song. Now that we're back in the past and I'm all young, I'm totally remembering where I heard of Synergistic Software from. Oh, yeah? Because they put out that boss expansion for Diablo. Yeah, Diablo 1? Oh, they added the, uh, was it Barbarian class? And it was just Fighter, but they, um, it's a Fighter skin, but they added new mechanics for it. Oh. Yeah. That's cool. And more, like, more stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You walk fast in town. That That was, was like, the coolest thing for Diablo. Yeah. So no matter what we say about Birthright, the Gorgons, Alliance, props to Synergistic Software. Well, let's that also was the last thing they did, it looked like. Shh, we don't know that yet. Okay. Well, let's say some stuff about Birthright, the Gorgon's Alliance. Before we get started, oh. I'd like to thank Budweiser <laughs> for helping me get through several hours of this game, because that's the only beer that exists in 1997. Yeah, <laughs> craft brewery isn't a thing yet. Wow, where to start, even? I guess let's start at the game modes you can play. This is really interesting in that they're presented as basic advanced expert, which in most games you would assume that just means the difficulty of the AI. But in fact, it means the number of options you as the player can do in terms of running your kingdom. So if you run a basic game, if you play the basic game, there's really not a lot to do. In the grand strategy portion of the game, so a lot of the if you're in a basic game, I feel like a lot of the options that you would get in an advanced and expert game are kind of handled more by the AI or just, uh, in, you know, they're kind of a part of the game without you having to worry about them. Like, taxes are collected. There's no actual tax. You can't change tax around at all in basic mode. Well, that's a huge part of advanced and expert. Yeah. Uh, well, it's kind of like a lot of a lot of um, turn-based, like, 4X games, I feel like, they give you the option to have an advisor manage things. You can turn them on or off whenever you want. But in in Gorgon's Alliance, once you make that call, you're in. That's it. Yeah, it's permanent. It's, you if you want, not screw it up. It's automating a lot of the game, basically, for you. So I played on the advanced option because the expert was just simply too much. Yeah, I believe in the expert mode, there's 18 actions you can do on the grand map. That's uh, a lot. The, Advanced has 12, and the basic has 6. So, so yeah, there's a lot more to do. Yeah. Let's talk about that, then. You start the game, you choose a province, or region, I'm sorry, to, to manage. And then mm. you're just, like, thrown a ton of information in your face. Well, let me let me ask you guys a question. Oh. Because one thing that I really liked about this game right off the bat is you go to the title screen, and new game, tutorial, history... Uh, like options and quit or something like that. There might There's be also a, like adventure, adventure only mode. battle only oh, right. tactical can, battle mode. You can practice adventuring <laughs> and you can practice tactical battles. Yeah. But it's so like right off the bat, I was like, oh, history, what's this do? Tells you about the birthright campaign setting and the political situation. So that was cool. Gave some background. But then there's a tutorial for um, basic advanced expert. Did you guys play the tutorials? I did yeah. the tutorial for basic. Yeah, me too. Only basic? I dove yeah. right in. I did basic, and then uh-huh. I just went straight to okay. pointing advanced. Pretty good tutorial for n- this year, 1997. <laughs> it was alright. I mean, I-, I felt like I learned more just from reading the pretty horribly uh, laid out help page. 
Yeah, the there's not even button. page numbers on. So, so I went through all three, and I thought the tutorial did a pretty good job of breaking down each mode at a time and explaining what all the stuff meant to the point where, like, it's overwhelming. So I played an expert. Oh. Because I wanted to see. <laughs> I wanted to see how much I could hate myself. Uh, um, the tutorial did a pretty good job, I thought, of, of breaking everything down. If you take it one step at a time. Yeah, I guess I regret not doing any of my Did they talk about holdings in the tutorials? Yeah. They did? They really don't <laughs> mention it at all in They talk about basic. what all the holdings do. Like, yeah. they cover every single... I'm pretty sure every single option on that expert screen. So let's talk right. more about the grand strategy and some of the things yeah. you can do. You guys just mentioned holdings, which is a weird way to put, like... Like it's a weird term for like fort or temple or whatever, but that's what you're doing. You're building new like strategy points on your provinces. Yeah, well, not even just your provinces, wherever you. Yeah, want. that's that's a yeah. big part of it is building your own, <laughs> building stuff in other people's regions to kind of take over their regions and and gain influence. You can muster. You can you can uh, recruit new troops. Spend some of the gold towards that. You can uh, declare war on an opponent. You can. There's a lot of diplomatic actions possible. You can demand tribute from some other people. You can demand territory. Um, I, uh, I I was excited when I saw that there was diplomacy in the game, and I was a little bit sad when I realized diplomacy just meant giving things to other factions to increase their yeah. percentage of liking you. You yeah. pay them to like you, which is pretty diplomatic, really. Yeah, <laughs> I guess so. <laughs> it, it's pr- it's really it's quite basic, though. Yeah. Yeah, and it's interesting when you like offer all your money and make them give you stuff in provinces, and I don't know. I mean, it's a way to win the game through not fighting. If that's your bag, it's certainly possible. Yeah, you can also use the diplomacy section of the game not to influence other... I want to call them nations. I don't think that's exactly correct in the vocabulary of the game. The but other nations. Mm. But you can also use it to influence like powerful, neutral wizards to join your cause. And stuff like that. Yeah, I like that part. How there's not just, there's not just the different provinces you can ally with. There's also like trading companies who might have holdings in your lands and like you said neutral wizards and all sorts of different organizations this is one of the big strikes against the game for me is that like even if you get all the systems like how you know an expert there's all these different things you can do it's so overwhelming like if i knew birthright and annuary like back and forward (laughs) know where all the provinces are you know, like, that would make things a little easier. But I don't. So it's just, like, whatever you learn in this game. It's like, okay, so I have to pick this country, and it's got the... Which which country was that province in? Okay, it's this one, and, and we're... You know, like, you're going through these menus trying to find the right places, and, like, it's so overwhelming. Yeah, yeah, yeah. you need to... You just get a list so of all the countries, and you need to memorize the names. Yeah. And what their, what their colors are, because everything on the map is marked with a shield with two colors on it. Yeah, yeah. and... You better when- know who's what. <laughs> When we say open the diplomacy menu and see a list of other countries, we're talking like a 40-item long list. Yes. Yeah. 
the geography of the map is not laid out uh, in a way that makes it easy to remember. No, and I was, I was like straining my eyes staring at the map in this game because <laughs> yeah. like the font that the names of the countries are written in is like kind of blurry, I guess. Yeah, um, visually it looks not good. Yeah, it's kind of a mess. It's rough. Uh, uh, I mean, that's that's a theme for the whole the whole game, right? Visually, it's it's not very kind of a mess. Good looking. Uh, and also, as the as the regions, provinces, regions, whatever, as they start to like lose provinces, the names kind of get smaller. I thought that was cool off. when I started taking over somebody else. Yeah. It got bigger, yeah, sure, and it showed then, like this is now yours, and it was. And I'm starting there. to look for Edeor instead of Meteor on the list, and I get confused. <laughs> I mean, overall, I like the grand strategy part. I liked mustering. I liked declaring war. I like putting people on my borders and chasing the enemy regents around. Yeah, yeah. it's a, the the grand strategy part of the game. It reminded me a lot of like a big, very nerdy computerized board game. Did you guys ever play Lords of the Realm? No. Am I, am I showing my age here? One or two? Maybe. No, I've never even heard of them. This game reminded me in very positive ways of the first computer game I ever bought and its sequel. And it was, you know, counties in England, the the whole of the UK, and you're just trying to take it over. It's basically this, but without magic and historical, like, you know, confines and stuff. It's really cool. It's a big strategy board game. Like you said, you know, you're moving your stuff around, trying to make everyone happy. You know, you raise taxes, you put more lawmen in there to make them shut up about the taxes. Mm-hmm good mm. there's so many facets yeah i i was surprised by the depth there i mean there's there's a game in itself i would say just there so i think overall i i that was maybe my probably my favorite part is the grand strategy um really i i thought it was kind of boring and and like menu heavy and tedious um i i i was pumped about it when i like first started playing like Mm -hmm. i felt that feeling of oh yeah i'm really gonna like this game and usually when i feel that feeling i do but after like a half hour of it i was like oh oh i guess i don't Hmm. uh well it's just another thing about it is that's a huge part of it because it's based on a real D&D setting you know a real game is there's a lot of dice rolling in this which is really not something you I'm, I'm used to in these types of strategy games. Yeah, that's true. So, you have two currencies in the game. You have uh, gold bars, what you get from taxing people and uh, having trade routes and stuff. And then the other one is your uh, re- regency points, I think it's yeah. called. Yeah. yeah, yeah. and that comes from your bloodline, which is a stat you get based on the regent you choose. And... Uh, and it's that and your domain power. So it's whatever is lower of the two. Um, and that is used to modify roles. And that's that was just a really unique, I guess, unique mechanic that I wasn't too crazy about. Just because it's like in everything. If you want to create a holding somewhere, you mm-hmm. need to improve it with your... Re- like, you, you have a base, like, 40% chance. And for every Regency point you spend, it increases by 5%. So you so, didn't like that there weren't things... Like I think the only thing you get to just do mustard like successfully troops. is mustard Yeah, troops. you can't just yeah. build something. You have to That's roll it. to build it. Yeah. I mean, I I like it and I don't like it because I guess it it's important. It makes it a super important resource to manage. But like I 
I liked it a lot more when I chose a character that got like 47 Regency points. <laughs> sure. Um, the first character I, I ended up was like, had they had a really weak bloodline and only got like 15 points. That's it's fun. just, it's in everything. I guess yeah. that's kind of my one concern. Well, it even count, it's not even just to modify roles. To even attempt any of these things, you have to spend at least one. Yeah, you have to spend a couple. And then there's also the mechanic, so. if you're trying to make like an opposed role mm -hmm. with... If you're trying to create a holding in someone else's territory, they can then spend points to decrease your chance. So it's it's really like that's probably more important than gold. I think that must be from the game, the pen and paper game, right? That I feel like that must be a holdover. Oh, from it's the absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And to improve your bloodline is uh, expensive. You can spend, it's very expensive. You can spend regency points to improve by like one income per turn. Or you can get artifacts through adventuring. What? Uh, so, yeah. yeah. So, in addition to your main, like, <sighs> dictator regent, you can hire lieutenants that they'll run around your army, and they will also join you on these adventures, which is when the game turns into, like, this first-person kind of uh, thing. And there are a number of different adventures you can go on. Most of them are, like... Kill this bad guy, find the treasure. Find the I think that's about it. Right? Kill, kill this bad guy, find the treasure. Yeah. Wow, what what a miss this this part of the game is. Um, <laughs> just from the music, the choice so... of music is like rock music, which in it <laughs> oh, it... itself is incredibly off putting and wrong. Well, I like I like though. Okay, the music was variable though. That was cool. I mean, yeah, go, yeah but it's still the wrong genre. Tracks. But they were none of them made me think like, oh, this is better. It was all like, eh. I mean, it's so it's the Doom Two engine. That it's it's like a knockoff of it, yeah. yeah. And I I thought, wait a second, is this Doom music? <laughs> that's that's it a, sounds a lot like it. That's not not off, yeah. Um, I mean, the way it works is you and your party run around in first person. When you encounter an enemy. It's the weirdest thing. Like, okay, it zooms out so you see your whole party, and the enemy's there, and then they kind of just like swing their weapons at each other, or you can cast it's a spell. Dice. Yeah, it's rolling yeah. dice, but you don't really see the roll. Like, it's there. No, you don't get any of the it says if you hit or not, and if you do hit, how much yeah. damage you do. But it's awful. It's really yeah. bad. Like, I like that they zoom out because otherwise you'd have no idea like which members of your party mm -hmm. are vulnerable. If you don't actually. You don't actually like, control, like you can't make the wizards hide. As far as I can tell, you make them defend. defend I guess yeah. if they defend, usually they don't move forward. So they'll right. sometimes so, they'll like, stay in the get, back. If you get pincered, like yeah, like I had somebody catch me from behind once, and in the front. So I was just, like, I just dropped all of my stronger spells mm -hmm. on the people yeah. that were attacking. I mean, me. you you can retreat, but you retreat as a group. Yeah, you can't make one right. character. You can't control movements of at all. The right. party once the so combat it's not starts. A tactical battle. You're no. just selecting which who does what attack. And it's just yeah. It's weird because the position of the units is important, but you can't move the units around during combat. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, when you find like a tight quarter, there's a lot of times mm -hmm. where like I usually would bring two fighters, where like one of my fighters couldn't even join the yeah. fight. It's, it's just because the way it was, so I'd have to retreat to a better position. Um and there's four attacks for characters, but like, 
They all it's seem so to weird. do the same thing. One of them does a little more damage and has less accuracy. Yeah. It's it just it seems so needless. Like you let's know. add in four attacks and you can just you gotta pick your attack mode. Yeah. And the visuals yeah, of the characters it's fighting, the worst. it's like them swinging their arms in rapid motion. I, I don't I don't know how to describe it. It's a little kid slap fight. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's what it is. It looks so terrible. It's more. Yeah. It looks yeah. awful. This The whole adventure system, which is a big part of the game. Uh, I, would, I mean, it, so it's intended to be. Did you guys play... Can you do, if you're not an expert, can you send your lieutenants to do adventures for you? No. What do you mean? I mean, I guess you, you could say, like, automatically do adventures? Yeah. You can't do that in advanced. Was a lieutenant action? Was that the thing you were yeah, doing? Yeah, there was a lieutenant action where you could send them, where the regent doesn't go. So, so would, it just I says mean, they just, came back and were victorious? I, or? I, I never, I never oh. did it because I figured everyone would die. Oh, I don't know. I mean, like, so I don't know about you guys, but with the battles, um, after the tutorial was over, and I didn't have to play the battles anymore, I never did them again. Oh. Um, so, but like, even if I had overwhelming odds, I'd still lose a bunch of units. Yeah, I wouldn't. So that's I, why I did the battles. That, I never wanted to do like I never wanted to see if sending my lieutenant would auto resolve it because I figured everyone would die. Yeah. It's like the auto resolve, like you just get punished. It's not favorable. No. So why do you think the adventuring part is so important, Vegas? Because I think treasure is fine and it definitely helps your forces, but uh, I mean, it it felt to me like that was the intention of the game was you have a adventure RPG, a grand strategy game, and then a tactical war game all in yeah. one. So so here's I'm gonna give you one item <clears throat> that I got that makes the adventuring part important. I got an item that gave me plus five percent to my regency every um every go, plus a randomly rolled amount. Yeah. I right had something that lets you right it lets you bat. make ley lines for free, uh, without costing your one third of a turn or whatever. Yeah. I think yeah, you can ignore them, but it's definitely a big plus if you do them and you get very powerful artifacts and how each adventure goes is basically you so you go to like a keep you know I, there seemed to be a i've seen probably about seven or eight i think uh, separate adventures i at least went on i only finished about two of them a big thing they love mm. taking from first person shooters at the time is key hunting yeah yeah. You will always encounter a door that is locked and it needs some type of special key. And if you can find the door. There are a lot of secret doors, too. Yeah, and it's just a lot of exploration. And it's not, like, obvious exploration. At one, there was one adventure that it seemed really simple. There's just, like, a keep in the center with, like, two uh, staircases on the right and left of it where there's just a couple enemies. Mm -hmm. And I walked... And there was one door going into the keep that was locked. I walked around looking for the key for, like, ten minutes. And then I found, right by the very start of the adventure, there's, like, a well that you can't see over, but I ran towards it and jumped, and I fell in the well, and there was, like, this whole underground sewer system that eventually led me to the key. 
But I, that, I probably ran that adventure three times just trying to figure, like, I have to be missing something. What's going on? And, like, I used the fly spell. It was flying around everywhere. And eventually I just decided, you know what, it has to be this well. So I just jumped in, yeah. and there we go. And that's I lost the character from the fall damage, by the way, which made me really mad. And that's an important point, Alex. It's not just first person running around. Oh, no. There's platforming. There's running yep. and jumping. And you need the fly, too, to get to places sometimes. It's pretty complicated. They hide That's... stuff. Like, I love I love finding, like, rods of resurrection just standing behind a door. <laughs> like, those... <laughs> like, that was... I think I found a, a staff, a, a rod of fleshed stone once. Like, I went in a bedroom and it was just behind the door. I, I smiled so weird. much. That's, that's why I'm, I thought it was intended to be a big part of the game player's yeah. experience i mean there's a ton of D utility spells that are in the game that are yeah. only used in the adventure mode and there's a lot that they put into it but it looks and feels like a college sophomore's project it's just Whoa. Whoa. yeah take wow. that sierra i mean it's dated for 97 all right like, they just published it dude they didn't make okay, it okay okay take that synergistic <laughs> like fps technology <laughs> this, this is like uh Doom 1 FPS technology. We're on Quake 2. We're a year away from Half-Life at this point. Yeah. It's just, maybe that was it. Is I, I disliked it so much that I ignored it. And I didn't feel like I was missing out on that much, to be honest. Right. My armies were still strong, and I was still kicking butt. Uh, let's talk about that buck kicking with armies. This is interesting, the tactical army fighting. So you have your map, and it's grid-based. You have, I think it's 12... 3 by three 5. By 5 or 4? Yeah, I think you're right. Five. It's 3 by yeah. 5. You can put a unit on each grid piece, and your enemy can put a unit on each grid piece. If there's two opposing factions on the same grid piece, they'll fight. If you have yeah, archers and- that are next to it, you can fire at the enemy with archers. You can have wizards cast spells at an enemy if they're on a... On a another space next to it. And that's about the extent of it, to be honest. Um, I was just going to say, we're talking now about the war gaming part of the game, yeah. not the like heroes fighting. Yeah, yeah. I'm just trying to be clear to people who haven't played and are listening. When two um, armies meet on the battlefield. Yeah, the tactical yeah, strategy. Different part of the game. Because there are a lot of parts of this game. Yeah. Though your your heroes can participate in these battles. Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, they they will have a, a unit of infantry with them that they're leading. And that's how you get wizards and priests to cast spells. If you bring on a high-level lieutenant, then they'll have more spell options than, say, a low-level wizard. Uh, which is pretty cool. It's interesting that they all have set stats regardless of the t- level of the hero, though. Yeah, I thought that was kind of weird. They're just using... well, they all kind of bring like an elite infantry unit mm-hmm. with them, so the stats are of the elite infantry. Like a high level fighter isn't going to be better at fighting than, you know, a low level wizard on the tactical battle. Yeah, and honestly, it's really risky bringing them on because they they can die mm-hmm. in those battles, and then yeah, you lose a lieutenant. And if they're holding a bunch of magic items, like I figured out, goodbye magic items. Uh... The tactical war games was probably my favorite part of Gorgon's really? Alliance. Yeah, uh, it was yeah. fine. Uh, yeah, I, that's how I felt about it too. But it was my favorite part. <laughs> Touche. Yeah, I mean, you uh, have your so clumsy. It is clumsy, and you can really game it. Yeah, you can kite guys with arch. Like I had three units of archers take out basically. It's 
an entire other army just by constantly moving them around and firing and moving and firing. Yeah, because it's wow. like if you go off the default real time mode, it's just like as fast as you can click to move stuff. So there is a little bit of time when you send you know unit from square to square. But uh, units like archers and knights will move really quick between mm-hmm. squares. So if the enemy has like an elite infantry unit, which is like really heavy armored infantry that take a while to move, you can just constantly be moving your archer one square out of its reach and shooting that elite infantry unit. And there's nothing they can do about it. It sounds like... You know, it's funny where... It's funny where our, our patience, respectively, kind of lies. <laughs> Because I hated that so much. Yeah. I never, like, I played it in the tutorial, and I never did it again. And you guys are like, oh, it's kind of fun. You're talking about, like, different ways to game it. I never touched it. As soon as I could ignore it, I just got rid of it. I would have preferred to not do it, but as you mentioned, the uh, auto-resolve system is so not favorable to the player that I just forced myself to do it. Wow. Yeah, you can control the units way better than the... I guess yeah, randomized yeah. AI does. Yeah. That's how much I didn't like it. And the other thing is, well, or something I really wish it had, which again, something I wish they had in the adventure mode, was feedback. <laughs> you can have like a two. You could have like a, a fight with two of the same characters end in like five seconds, or you could have it end in like two minutes. And like I understand, there's dice rolling going on, but I'd <laughs> love to get an idea of what's <laughs> actually happening. And I'm still not sure if my archers do friendly fire. They do. Absolutely. Do, Absolutely. I'm pretty sure they Absolutely. do. Absolutely. Yeah. But at the same time, like, I wish I had a concrete proof <laughs> that they did. Like, just tell me my archers killed my own units. There's no feedback at all. All you get is a little health bar, and it, like every couple seconds it drops, or sometimes it doesn't drop for a minute. It's did so you get confusing. a lot of input from the graphical visualization <laughs> half of the? Oh. I almost never looked at that half. I was pretty much exclusively looking at the grid. The graphics uh, themselves are all They're right, fine, I, I think, for this. Yeah, honestly, I think this is probably the best graphical part of the game. It's kind of like crappy 3D. Yeah. Um, it's not like... The, ta- the main grand strategy map, I think, is just very ugly, and the colors make it really hard to read and decipher stuff. Uh, the adventure game is super old 1992 first-person shooter graphics, and uh, the tactical one's like, eh, it's all right. There's a lot of um, text in the game, a lot of reading. Uh, it's really guys... hard to read. Yeah. There's so many, there are a bunch of little things that this game is probably one of the best awful games because I feel like it could have been amazing, but there's so many little little decisions and larger, you know, things, obviously. But, like, when they list out, armies it's not in a list or is it army like one of the, some of the reports is just in a paragraph yeah you it just says paragraph to find yeah. a paragraph. Just list it just give me a list you know it's so yeah. simple but it made it so much harder to play the game yeah you know uh you've got an advisor screen like in civilization or sim city 2000 uh <laughs> where you have these very badly drawn 3d figures who uh also have very bad voice acting and will uh advise you on the different aspects of your kingdom um i liked those guys (laughs) i love the initial speeches they give you 
and like their little character models move and it's really yeah. weird the general like his knees are constantly shaking as he talks uh, like which I making, thought was hilarious you should stop making such terrible decisions then he wouldn't be so scared uh, I mostly ignored them. I would check the realm. <laughs> yeah, track, I ignore them mostly too. Which I, which was your victory points, uh, mostly. Yeah. But that uh, was pretty much it. So I did just as a side note. I just looked up. We're talking about battles, talking about stuff. I just looked up Lords of the Realm Two. Actually, came out around the same time as this game, mm -hmm. and looks like a thousand times better. Oh yeah, I mean this yeah. is a 1997 game that looks like 90. 93, 92. I think that's a bigger insult than it sounds like it is. <laughs> but, like, I just remember Heroes of Might and Magic 2. Greg, you were talking about Lord of the Realm being, like, your first game purchased. Heroes of Might and Magic 2 was, mm -hmm. like, my first game really ever purchasing on my own. That came out in 96. Like, that game, the art style in that, I feel like is so great and still holds up today. It's just, they went so wrong with, like, their, how the look of everything in this is. It's so hard to just decipher things i don't know i'm just i'm so against the graphics you know what i think you know like when a when a new technology comes out i'm not saying this is a new technology but like you know when when like 3d first came out mm -hmm. and everyone made really terrible looking 3d games like that just it's like yeah we're gonna reach really too far like we could have just made a solid looking more simple kind of thing. I feel like they went, tried to go too far with what they were trying to do visually and ended up not doing it very well. Yeah, it just kind of turned out to be a mess. Yeah. It's the year Final Fantasy Tactics came out. Yeah. Wow. We could, we could probably compare yeah. it to a lot of games at this time. Yeah. And it's just, it does not, it shouldn't be. It's, That's rough. It's not good for 97. Um, no. That voice acting is so bad too. Oh yeah, we didn't we didn't oh, actually wait, really wait, talk wait. that much about voice acting, right? It's wait. awful. It's clearly, clearly the programmers of the games doing all the voices. There's no way they hired people to do those voices. It's. I mean, it's memorable. I'll give it that. <laughs> yeah. It's like Resident I... Evil One bad. Like really, yeah. really, really terrible. Did you guys yeah. find the elf regent? His name is like Manslayer or something. He's ridiculous. He was in the area of the, of the region that I controlled, but he's he had like a filter on, so it was like, I want to kill the men of the realm. It was so terrible. So is the time with No. <laughs> yeah, I saw some elves and they sounded like that. Just high-pitched but still not really any emotion or thought behind the words just reading them into a microphone and being like look we put voices in a game isn't that amazing <laughs> and the other thing is it's constant when you're in an adventure they're always you're always encountering guards that are just yelling the same two to three lines yeah. at you um, I don't know. It gave me a good laugh, though. I'll give it that. Like it, <laughs> yeah. it was so bad. It's one of those so bad. It's funny things. So I was entertained. Yeah. yeah. In the um, tactical uh, <laughs> uh, war battles, too. Every time you click on a unit, every time you click on a unit, it uh, says its default line. Brilliant. Yeah, but there's no, there's no quit poking me here. Uh, no, it's just the one, one line drilled down into a lot of the different sections but just to kind of jump back up i did like one of the kind of longer term strategy aspects where 
so so as Alex mentioned on expert there's like 18 or whatever there's tons of different things you can do but you can only do every every um turn is a season mm-hmm. and that's broken up into three mm-hmm. actions so you can only do three of those things in any given season unless you know like if you're a thief you can do like a free spy mission or if you're like a wizard you can do like a free ley line kind of thing you know like your your regent type gives you a freebie that you can do but like i thought that was pretty cool how they limited what you could actually do in a turn you know like 4x games as your empire gets huger you just more and more and more things that you have to do right but yeah. in this it's like well you get three per season better pick some good ones to <laughs> set you up for the long term you could always muster troops too you could muster as many yeah, troops as you wanted yeah. but other than that yeah you Make one building, or build one road, or build one trade route, then you're done, Zoe. I thought that was really cool. It was like a really interesting choice that you had mm-hmm. to make. And especially as you go up in the difficulty levels, the choice It's very important, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, let's talk about this as a Dungeons and... We'll do our best, because, again, none of us are very familiar with the birthright... At, at all familiar, I should say, with the birthright well, I mean, I'm a, I'm a little familiar. Greg's a from, little from familiar. Back. Now, from back from, now, from I guess. these days, yeah. <laughs> I mean, our, our core stats are here. Well, I mean, I guess the adventuring mode is kind of what we can kind of dive deep into. Is we've got our stats, we've got uh, spells, we've got Four items, classes. we've got classes. Yeah. So that's there. Uh, I don't know how any of that works into the gameplay. I don't know if my it doesn't tell you how much damage you mm-hmm. do with spells. It doesn't. No, I mean, yeah, you don't... Uh, do you see the number? No, you might no, see the number when you do When spells. you heal people, it just says person healed. Yeah, I mm-hmm. mean, you can figure it out by, you know, doing the math of where their health is and where it was. Yeah, uh, and, and if you go in the, help, in the help section, it does a breakdown of, like, all stats and, like, what it would do yeah, uh, yeah. in the actual adventure mode. I, I think some of them... Very... The, I was going to say some of the stats uh, that your regent has, and your regent is a class too. It's a thief or a fighter or something, and some of their stats affect the nation in certain ways. Like I know a charisma helps with certain things, and uh, a lot going on under the hood. Super under the yeah, hood. Yeah, I think that's. I think that's what it comes yeah. down to. Is I think it's a very faithful implementation. You just have no idea <laughs> that that it is. You know, but. I will say, as far as birthright goes, it it's pretty birthright. Yeah, from, I mean, from what I recall, just from what I'm from the research. From yeah, me. just from what I've read, it seems like this is what a birthright campaign would kind of be. You and your yeah. companions working to build up your province and be diplomatic with other provinces and declaring war. Which, I mean, awesome if if this is a true translation yeah. of what a pen and paper a game of this particular setting would be, then they should absolutely be commended for that. And I think that's why the adventure stuff, you yeah. know, like, that's why the adventure stuff is important, because that's, that's you going into dungeons with your with your party, you know? Like, I think they did a really, it seems like they did a great job of making a Birthright game, in terms of stuff from Birthright. It's just not... It just could have been so much better. Yeah. It was such a wildly ambitious game for yeah. a company that yeah. sure didn't seem to have the resources to pull it off. And yeah, this game would be amazing if like all three sections 
were top notch. Oh my like, god, yeah. It would be incredible. Like, the idea of this game is, like, I've always just loved it. RTSs where you also have, you know, hero management to go further deeper into actual adventurers and stuff. Like, that's so cool. Um, yeah. It's just, yeah. It's just they sp- their resources were too split, you know? Like, we're comparing it to all these other games, like another great um, game, Stonekeep 95. Mm-hmm. Love that game. First person uh, dungeon crawler. Lots of phenomenal voice acting. And, you know, motion captured or animated characters really draws you in. That's all they did, though. They didn't have, you know, a tactical real-time battle game and a, you know, years-spanning strategic overworld rule-the-kingdom game in addition to their first-person RPG. Like, how the heck do you do all three of those things well? Yeah. I don't... Yeah, I guess not. Yeah. To go back on the D&D points, also, there, there are at least elves and dwarves. I saw those. Sure. Uh, race wise, skeletons. There's goblins. goblins. Yeah. yeah. There's Nulls. there's, a, there's Nulls. Skeletons yeah. are like the toughest units it's, in the game. Yeah. By the way, they're very difficult. And, this... and gorgons. Yeah. Oh, right. There's the gorgon. That's a big part of it. Is yeah. that he's slowly taking over the kingdom, and so you have to kind of fight him back if you choose to. Uh, but yeah, he's not a Greek. He's, he's not, not the Greek, Greek gorgon. gorgon. He's another. And he's not a typical D and D gorgon. Yeah, he's not a Some weird bull. He's not. Other kind of gorgon. He's like he looks like a big, I don't know, like a monster man. He's a monster man. He's, you see him in some, some top-notch <laughs> CGI. And then let's yeah, let's have guys do CGI <laughs> as well because our teams aren't stretched thin enough. Uh, yeah, yeah, cutscenes that kind of happen out of the blue. Yeah, I think it's like after turn twelve, one happens, and after like turn four, it seemed to be a set point. Yeah. That's um, when he attacks. And I one one of my adventures, I fought an, an Otiag. Oh. Uh, I thought that was pretty cool, because at that point, I had really only fought goblins, ogres, and, like, humans. And to see an actual, like, non-humanoid creature, he was guarding a ton of gold, too. Yeah. That, was, that was the best fight of my Yeah, the first time I found a massive pile of gold, I was like, whoa, you can do that? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Everything else is just like random magic items. So, yeah, this doesn't really help me a whole lot. I picked up a ton of plates. Yeah, of buckets. I was all, like yeah. all about buckets. <laughs> you can pick up all this crap in adventure mode, and then and it's then like, you, it. you brought home 1,000 gold pieces worth of mundane <laughs> items. Which, which equates equal... to half a gold <laughs> bar. Yeah, it's nothing. Man, I just, I think I want this game to be so good. I think that's what it is. I want it to be amazing because it sounds like it should be so amazing. It's a great concept. Yeah. It's a great concept. Yeah, and it's such a great it's such a great making of birthright. You yeah. Know? Bloodlines, like every PC has like an important bloodline, I think. And you know that's your whole deal. You're the regent. You can cast realm spells. There's like yeah, like birth, birthright would make like two awesome like D&D 5th edition modules. I really want to play Birthright. Just like, because I'm always like, well, what's next? And in this case, what's next would be, let's go back and figure. I mean, it just sounds like a really interesting to have that kind of other big part of the game besides adventuring. Yeah, diplomacy yes. and nation. Yeah. yeah. And like a system to Yes, exactly. Yeah. Just like, 
Yeah, roll a charisma check. Yeah. Charisma check. Oh, cool. There you're Okay, you've spent your money. You have a fortress now. Hey, everybody. Are you uh, done your discussion about what it was like for Hong Kong to officially leave China? It's exciting. Exciting times. Yeah, yeah. Or how about Tony Blair being elected prime minister? Mm, Not as wild about that one. Not as wild about that one. You know, I still get jokes about that guy. Still. What? Oh, that's you... right. Your last name. Yeah. <laughs> yeah he's my uncle. Ha-ha. <laughs> <laughs> I get it, because your name is Gregory Blair. Yeah. 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 All right. Can we go back to the real time now? <laughs> yeah, well, I think so. I mean, I can get you pretty close. My magic's so wild and unpredictable. <laughs> we don't like <laughs> but that. But don't worry. It'll be 1D four years either around where we're supposed to be. All right, everybody ready? This time we're going to yell, Shazam! One, two, three. Shazam! All right, here we are in 2017. See you guys later. Wait, 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 wait. It's close enough. I like that guy. Watch is so much cheaper now. I forgot to tell you. Enjoy your tax decrease thanks to President Trump. All right, I'll see ya. See ya. That guy's fun. I like that guy. Yeah, yeah I like well, that guy too. Let's. All right, so guys, we're back in the modern times. We always recommend from a modern perspective because we don't want any of our wonderful listeners wasting their time. Would you recommend Birthright: The Gorgon's Alliance? Let's start with Gregory Blair. Oh man, I think if you have any interest in the birthright setting you should find this game and go through the tutorials and then stop it'll take it'll take you maybe a couple hours and you'll get a taste for what the game's supposed to be and how birthright works you can read the little history blurb by pressing h on the main menu and then just and then just delete it and it's fine you don't have to play it anymore I would not recommend Birthright Gorgon's Alliance. It's three crappy games put together into one very ambitious and wish it was awesome, also crappy game. Okay, Alex, what do you think? Yeah, unfortunately, like, you know, I found myself enjoying the strategy game more and more, but then every now and then I'd be like, oh, I should really go on an adventure. And then maybe after three hours between my last adventure, I'd feel like, it's not going to be that bad. And then I'd do it, and it's that bad, and, and it it's takes worse. Forever. And it takes forever, and most of the time is me looking for a key, which is gameplay I never wanted to do again. <laughs> Ever. I hated that so much about old school first-person shooters. And this is like the worst of it. And the tactical battles are very, very simple and really... Not that great. So, I feel like there's a good game here, but it's really just taken down by the two not good parts of this game. Uh, so, it's really disappointing. And, you know, like we said, it seems like something that could have been so cool if it was executed well, which might be impossible to do. So, I'm going to say probably not. Unless you're some, maybe you really love Birthright, and yeah, follow Greg's suggestion. <laughs> the tutorials. <laughs> Yeah, I'm going to agree with Greg. You know, this is... So, it's so it is. Right? It's just like, this is out. a setting that has 
completely been thrown aside. It hasn't been folded into another more popular setting. And it's just so different mechanically than every other Dungeons and Dragons place that I can think of that I agree with Greg that if you're ever curious about what Birthright was, then this game will do a great job of showing off what Birthright was. And I think your idea of playing the tutorials is a really good way to put it because you will just be frustrated more and more if you play through the game. Um, frustrated by the adventuring system, which we've talked about a lot. Frustrated by the simplicity of the tactical battle system. And and not for nothing, I'm pretty sure Birthright, out of all the whole D&D settings, Birthright did, like, goblins aren't bad. Oh, really? Elf, the lore know, is different, too? That's, that's cool, well, too, yeah. yeah. yeah have that way before ever on yeah. you know sure so not for nothing that was pretty pretty innovative. yeah it's just this i game. mean birthright won an origins award as the setting it was well received as a campaign setting just i guess yeah i guess commercially people weren't as interested in being rulers rather than being adventurers so I feel like I, I used to see Birthright products on the shelves all Unpurchased. the time in the 90s. <laughs> but I, I don't remember ever anyone ever coming up to me and saying, oh, I used to play Birthright. Uh, guys, what's everyone been playing? What's everyone been playing? Not Overwatch, I hope. Probably not, right? I mean, wow. wasn't that good? No, it's suggestion? not my suggestion. I do, I have been playing Overwatch, but... Uh, it's. Uh, I was so bummed. I I was. Uh, I missed out on the Overwatch beta, uh, and it's like sixty bucks to buy it's the 40 game. Bucks. So I'm like, eh. forty for the no, for the PC version, the non special yeah. edition. Oh. The special edition only oh, okay. comes with like skins too. There is no reason yeah. to get the special edition. Can I, I would like to do a split 1997. Oh sure, always encouraged. Yeah, absolutely. So if you thought the first-person dungeons with voice acting and stuff sounds really cool, you should play Stonekeep, because that's a great game with a great story, and you can buy it for 6 bucks on GOG. Love that game. One of the dears of my childhood. Or, alternately, if you want to manage a realm and, you know, politic and fight and try to take over a place, Lords of the Realm 2 is a historical version of that. You should check that out on Steam for... Th- three dollars wow i don't even think it's on sale i think it's just three dollars it's that was another fun one too um set in historical england yeah it's not on sale it's just three dollars so those are great games from around the same time as gorgon's lines that did aspects of it way better than gorgon's lines did or actually the the game i most recently played was something called um hero of the kingdom 2 it's a it's like a combination kind of puzzle solving slash hidden what are they called hidden image game you gotta find like things on the map and click on them and then you get like them. mist <laughs> hidden object no no it's just like you are over top looking at a screen it's like oh this is the village and you can oh. click on people to trade with them you don't have a character that hmm. you can see it's like a really simple like hero story i don't know why i like this game so much i played the first one a lot and the second one but you know like oh this bridge is broken if only i had some help and you go and you hire some laborers and you find some wood and then the bridges open like slowly open up the branching story 
So it's like little puzzles where you got to find the different pieces to solve the next Problem piece. solver game. Kind of. And then, like, you can, if you see things on the map, you click on them and then you get Greg them. likes helping people. I guess so. <laughs> he does. That's what that a hero of the kingdom does. Exactly right. Yeah, hero of the kingdom. But that's, I don't know. It's it's a game that I don't think we would ever recommend that you'd ever hear. But it's interesting. And it's pretty cheap. So you can check cool. it out. Cool. That sounds like a little fun little time waster. Uh, this is a game I recommended uh, on this show probably about a year ago, uh, and I want to recommend it again because it's changed a bit since then. Uh, Rudy's wagging his yeah, that's, finger. That's but cheating. Yeah, I don't like that. Yeah, that's fine. I think I know what you're going to recommend, and it's out of early access now, right? Access yeah, exactly. Yeah, well, no, I was going to say Darkest Dungeon. Uh, no, you're not cheating anymore. It's just a, a freaking awesome game where you manage uh, adventurers in a gothic horror fantasy town uh and it's like alex said it was kickstarted it was in early access on steam now the game is complete and it's even better than it was last year so everybody played darkest dungeon yeah it's brutally it's great. great i second his recommendation it sounds like they made a lot of fixes so you can't cheese it like you could when they first went into early access like yeah, uh, yeah. that's what i was doing and i love how a lot of this the new stuff they added like if you don't like it you can that's great. Uh, so I recommend this month, uh, I feel like my usual going with a big AAA title uh, that is super expensive, is Total War. Oh. Which I love this game so Sweet. much. Uh, I The Total War series I've kind of played on and off for the last couple of years. Uh, I really enjoyed Shogun 2, which was like in 2011. Mm-hmm. I thought Rome 2 was just the such a they're a hit or miss, right? That's how that series yeah, goes. Yeah, well, the thing, a lot of times they're, like, Rome 2 was one of the buggiest games on release I have ever played. Um, and even after it wasn't, you know, they fixed it a lot. I, I kind of realized I don't really enjoy, like, the that era of time militarily. There's just so much, like, heavy infantry, and there's not that much cavalry. and wasn't really for me. But Warhammer, so I, I don't know why I love Warhammer so much, but... I'm really into the setting, the fantasy setting. It's awesome. It is That's awesome. And I, you know, I've, I think I mentioned it before, so I'm pretty sure I'm, I recommended Vermintide a couple of months back. Yeah, I think you recommended Vermintide. Yeah, I never played it, but I just, I love this setting, and it's so cool to be able to create these huge fantasy armies of just so diverse, playing the Empire where you have these, you know, just humans, basically medieval, you know, arms against, you know, orcs or, like, giants and huge spiders and it's a lot of fun. And the strategy game is really cool, too. It's um, It's been streamlined a lot if you've played the past Total War games. So it's not as like in-depth as, say, Room 2. But yeah, I think they did a really good job of cutting out all the kind of pains of the strategy game. And it's a lot of fun. So that's that's really been taken up yeah, the past I'm, two weeks for me. I'm always hesitant to drop 60 bucks on brand new games but it looks really really cool yeah and it runs super smooth it is not buggy Mm. at all and visually oh it's so awesome when you have like a unit of demigriff knights which are like griffins that can't fly yet pound into a bunch of dwarves and the dwarves go flying like 30 feet the oh cavalry God, charges, so cool. and it's—I could just watch a video of cavalry charges. <laughs> yeah, I, I've like lost significant over troops time. because I, I like it. zoom in just to watch charges. <laughs> it's so cool. I'm going to recommend an indie game that is in early access but is 
pretty close to done, I would say, called The Curious Expedition. It's kind of oh. similar to Renowned Explorers. It's about your kind of, it's in the late 19th century, and you're kind of this explorer who goes to a foreign land, like a jungle or the desert, and you have a little party with you of different, there's soldiers or translators or traders, and you're looking to find uh, like a hidden monument. So the, there's a map and you're moving around and you're eating food to kind of, I'm doing a terrible job explaining it. Um, it's a, no, no, I like Yeah, you're eating food going. to help yourself <laughs> gain your sanity back. And it's really interesting. It's got a big emphasis on exploration, which is neat. And you're finding hidden temples, and maybe you steal some artifacts, and then the natives aren't happy with you, so they chase you and they fight them. Is it like kind of? Pixely? Yes, it is kind of pixely. I like the art okay. design a lot. Uh, it's fun dope. to be like Nikola Tesla is a character too, and H.P. Lovecraft is in there for some reason. So you can make mm. H.P. Lovecraft go insane just from the mechanics of the game. It's really yeah, neat and really fun. Yeah. It's got an incredible amount of replayability. It is super difficult, but uh, it's very rewarding. And you never feel bad for losing. I've never felt like, ah, oh, damn, the game's screwing me over. It's always been like, ah, you know, sometimes you go crazy and your soldier eats your cook. It just happens. <laughs> yeah, Stop I mean, that's like pretty that. normal. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. So Curious Expedition. Guys, thank you so much for being on this podcast. Thank you, listeners, for joining us. Let's go around. Where can people find you on the internet? Let's start with Alex Basso. Uh, you can find me at my Twitter. That's at yo underscore Alex Basso. Follow can we, me. Can we find you there? I don't know, Greg. Did we not have a conversation that we were both involved in in the last week? I think I'm we not, did. I'm not convinced that wasn't. This fun. is a tweeting revolution started by me. You bring okay. up the Beastmaster Ranger, and I will tweet Ooh, at some challenge. point. Very nice. Yeah, nine, <laughs> a, nine hours later when the conversation's over, Alex will tweet at you. Yeah, well, I restarted <laughs> okay. it, kind of. Uh, I'm on Twitter, too, at Vegas Lancaster. You can find me retweeting other people's jokes. Yeah, I'm big on that as well. Uh, Greg, you just tweeted something real weird. It was like a pile of corpse, naked yep. corpses. God, what is wrong with you? <laughs> yeah, you can. Yeah, I like Twitter. That's like my favorite social media. But there are some weird things that I follow, and sometimes I retweet like them. Like a so... video of a bird eating another bird a whole. What? You... Oh my God, Greg. Oh, that sounds no. cool. You mean that pelican? Yeah, pigeon? it's that not cool. It it's like really upsetting and like traumatizing. Oh, whatever. It's it's no, nature. It's freaking it. I Everybody weird. knows birds eat other birds. <laughs> <laughs> you wow! I can't even at nts underscore qpop Alex wins. I'm done. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Rudy Basso, R-U-D-Y-B-A-S-S-O. Also, I have a new podcast. It is a radio play, fully produced, sound effects, music, actors, based on the adventures I've had in Dungeons & Dragons. It's called Have Spellbook Will Travel. Uh, the website is www.havespellbook.com. Please go there. Have a listen. If you enjoy it, subscribe on iTunes. We're on a separate feed than this. So I hope you do that. I really uh, am proud of it. So yeah, it's you should really be proud. Oh, thank you. And well, as produced. the only person who's not actually involved in the production of it, I can objectively say that it's very oh. good. 
and I don't really even like podcasts. Wow, much. what an endorsement. <laughs> uh, thank you, Greg. Well, I think listeners of this show would like it yeah, a lot. Yeah, I think so, too. Um, so please go go check it out. Uh, thank you so much for listening. Next month-ish, we'll be playing <laughs> an old gold box adventure, Champions of Kryn, which is a Dragonlance adventure. Uh, these weird... Yeah, 1990s. So this is a real old one. Yeah, these primarily text-based RPGs is what I've been waiting this entire podcast series to start I can't playing. wait for you to be super disappointed by it. <laughs> I don't really? know. Maybe. Uh, who knows? I don't know. But yeah, again, thanks for listening. We will see you in the future. Bye.